We're having a bit of trouble behind the scenes today with the intro music. I'm not really sure what's going on. The file is not loading. So unfortunately, today's episode will not feature an intro and an outro. I apologize. We'll try and get it sorted overnight. But until then, enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content, of course, is posted out from on Twitter. You can get it at the source at SportsEthos.com, but I know some people, like myself, prefer to just go to Twitter for everything. So go to EthosFantasyBB, drop a follow, and you never miss any of our new work over there. Now, today we're going to look back on a couple of signings that took place over the weekend. I think one of them that occurred at the end of last week. I promise, I know it sounds like I've been lying to you guys, we will get back to pitching. I promise you there are still several pitching shows to go over, several well, several starting pitcher shows to go over, and then we're going to have some relief pitching stuff later on, close to Christmas and, and beyond. Greg Jewett's going to join us from Reliever Recon. We are going to get back to pitching, I promise. But while the stove is hot, and granted, it's cooled down a little bit, but while it's still relatively hot, we're going to be talking about some of the signings that have happened over the weekend. And like I said, one that happened last week as well. So Sean Manaya is the first one we are going to talk about. That one, I believe, was early, very early this morning announced. Uh, he's going to the San Francisco Giants. Honestly, it may have been announced late last night. Uh, but in any case, that is the most recent big name, quote unquote, big name signing we have. Sean Manaya to the Giants, two years, $25 million deal. I like Shamanaya. I'm someone who I've always probably liked him a little bit more than I should have. I don't know why. There's something about Shamanaya and not nothing I can, you know, analytical about it. I've just always been a big Shamanaya fan. And I really like this move on the surface, you know, just without digging too deep, just because San Francisco, we've talked about this the entire season. Going back to when we had Ryan Bloomfield on in the preseason as our very first guest. San Francisco knows how to develop pitching and tinker with pitching better than any other organization probably in the majors with the possible exception of Cleveland. They know what they're doing, and they can take guys who have had struggles in different locations and bring them in and turn them into Cy Young caliber pitchers. Kevin Gosman, Carlos Rodon, Alex Cobb. We saw, I mean, Alex Cobb not didn't reach the same heights as those other two, but Alex Wood is another one. They take pitchers from different locations who were struggling, certain things that were not looking so great, and they turn them around. So I see Sean Mania as probably somebody who's going to be moving up my individual board based on this move. I, I, I liked him even when he was with Oakland, and he was giving you some seasons were good, some seasons were not so good. He's really been pretty inconsistent, but I do think that he can get his strikeout numbers back up, walk rates back down, and all the things that San Francisco typically does with a starter when they come into town. Uh, again, that's not something that you can look at just Mania and say, he's done this differently, he's done that differently. It's more about the organization that he's going to. When you have trust in the organization, that goes a long way. And Mania is by no means a bad pitcher. He's had some really fantastic seasons. I mean, even 2021, I would say it's fantastic, but a 391 ERA, he had a solid season. The pitching indicators were pretty much in line with that. Uh, he's had a couple of other decent years. 2018 was a good season for him. 2017 was okay. And his first season in the league was, was all right as well. His career ERA ballooned a little bit this year, up to 406. I believe it was just under before this year. Uh, but a 496 ERA is going to do that to you. This year, he did not cover himself in glory. Uh, strikeout rate went down. Walk rate went up. Overall, 
he was not really a reliable fantasy option for a good portion of the season. He was somebody that you could have justifiably dropped at, good, at certain points. And there was a point where he was being dropped, and I said, go get Sean Mania. He can still give you decent strikeouts, pitching for a good team. And I was pretty wrong about that one. He was not somebody who had much of any value uh, down the stretch. A couple of good – I mean, his last start of the season was pretty good. Uh, but other than that, he had some really rough ones uh, in August and September. There was six earned runs against Kansas City, eight earned runs against the Dodgers. Uh, he killed you. He killed you. But I think I do have some hope here in San Francisco that he can be a dude. And will San Francisco be fantastic? Likely not. Likely San Francisco is going to be a pretty meddling team. But Sean Mania should slot into that third spot in the rotation behind Webb, behind Alex Cobb, and then ahead of Alex Wood and uh, Anthony DeScafani. And then when you look at what they've done in the lineup, they've added Mitch Hanniger. Who knows? There might be one or two more pieces coming. They're not looking terrible. They're not looking great, but they're not looking terrible. And something that I heard discussed by uh, Justin Mason and Paul Spore on Sleeper in the Bust was how terrible their outfield defense is going to be. It is a great point. Uh, they're not going to get any help there from their defense on balls in the gap, balls in the outfield. So something to consider for sure. Uh, but overall, with Sean Mania, uh, this makes me little more bullish on him. Uh, his ADP currently 336 through all of our draft champions that have taken place so far, 336. Uh, his minimum pick 238, maximum 434. I think at that point of the draft, you're, you're okay to take a shot on him. I, I have no problem taking a shot on him once you're getting down to, I want to see how deep that is in terms of starting pitchers. It's really deep here. We're talking like in the hundreds, like <laughs> we're talking hundreds of starting pitchers here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it sorted out here because the app is is bugging uh, my NFBC app is bugging a little bit, but he is not being drafted uh, very expensively at all. Sorry guys, that's a little bit of really great radio there for you guys. Uh, 130th, he is the 130th starting pitcher off the board so far, or 130th pitcher in general off the board. Now, he's not going in a terrible range. There's Carlos Carrasco, Ross Stripling, Sean Mania, uh, but he is definitely I mean not the number one guy there, but I, you could argue it. Carrasco, we're not really sure what he's going to be. Stripling just had a really, really great season that might be kind of hard to replicate. Uh, I think Manaya is probably the one that I'd put my faith in there. Carrasco, probably second, and then Stripling third. But in that range, uh, it's it's not going to bite you so badly. If you're talking about your standard 10 and 12-team leagues, because a lot of the context around the discussions recently have been draft champions and FBC drafts, because that's all we have to go off of, uh, he's obviously going to be drafted in those formats. If you're talking your 10 and 12-team leagues, I wouldn't take him in a 10. I think there's a chance that he becomes a, a back-end 12-team guy, though. Uh, a pretty good chance, honestly. Like, I don't think he's going to be Ka Kevin Gosman, Carlos Rodon. But if they can tinker with a couple of little things, um, I could see him having a top 50, 70 starting pitcher season and not being really surprised by it. So keep that in mind. Uh, he's somebody who's going to be kind of interesting now at the end of your 12-teamers, of your even like last pick. I mean, right now, currently by ADP, he wouldn't even be taken there. He'd be just outside of it, but I think he'll move up uh, on the backing of this signing. So all things good for Shamanaya here. He's leaving a better team going to a slightly worse team, but that's not going to be a huge impact. I mean, he started 30 games this year or 28 games this year. He won eight. Didn't really help him out so much. Granted, he was not great, but the team factor was not a huge thing for him there. I want to talk about Kode Senga. And I think it's Kodai, Kodai. I'm really not sure. You guys who listen regularly know that I, I butchered names. I am terrible with names. It's not that I don't care. I don't try. It's just you hear it from different places calling it different things. And plus, we don't really have American broadcasters, you know, knowing what to call these guys. Uh, so 
chance I'm butchering it. It's not the craziest name. Kodai, Kodai, Senga. You guys know who I'm talking about. Five years, $75 million with the New York Mets. 29 years old, Senga is. And he should slot in as the third guy in the Mets rotation. I believe he is going to be behind Scherzer, behind Verlander. And maybe he becomes the ace in a year or two after these guys retire or whatever. Uh, this rotation, I, I don't know. I've been following baseball a long time. This is, I mean, not as long as some of you guys listening, I'm sure. But this is one of the oldest starting rotations I've ever seen. You got Verlander, about to be 40. Scherzer, 38 and a half. Senga, the young buck, about to be 30 years old. Carlos Carrasco, closer to 36 than he is 35. And then Jose Quintana, about to be 34. That's an old group of starters. I mean, there's there's a couple of young guys who should get chances at some point this season. I think David Peterson and Tyler McGill should both get chances. Specifically, Peterson, I think, has really earned it based on how he pitched down the stretch last year. He'll get some starts. Uh, there won't be a six-man rotation, I don't think. I think this will come from guys maybe getting the odd off day here and there. Uh, no need to push a guy like Scherzer or, or Verlander, I don't think, to 32, 33 starts. They're not going to like it. But I think we will probably see them, or we should probably see them capped out at about 27, 29 starts and have a couple of starts there where you can spot in Peterson, spot in Tyler McGill. It's a, it's a good situation to be in for the Mets, having those guys just sitting there. I mean, according to roster resource, Tyler McGill is not even on the team at the moment. He would be in AAA, which is just depressing. I mean, looking at back on how last year started, Tyler McGill looked like he was a fantastic pickup, and he was. He had four really good starts, three, four really good starts, and then he got hurt, and then he never really got back in form. Uh, but he's somebody who should get another shot in the rotation. They called him Mini DeGrom quite a bit last year. He looks like Jacob DeGrom when he's pitching. He's not Jacob DeGrom, obviously, but spent a lot of time with him, spent a lot of time watching him and modeling his motion after him. Uh, it's something to think about, and it's something when you watch him pitch, yeah, he, he, the guy's good. He's not going to be given a spot or a shot, I should say, off the top of the season this year. But Tyler McGill is somebody who, who will probably get a chance at some point, and so will Peterson. Uh, got sidetracked from Senga there. Sorry about that. Uh, they just have so many starting pitchers. They have so much depth there, which is a very good situation to be in. In terms of Senga, it's hard to know what we're getting into here. A pitcher coming from Japan, typically, we don't know. I mean, the two ones that come to mind for me, Yu Darvish and Daisuke Matsuzaka. Those are the two who have come over that have had a lot of success Thinking of ones who haven't had a lot of success, I can't really think of them off the top of my head. I guess that's why, because they're not so prevalent. But when you look at Senga's career numbers, they're really good. He's been pitching since he was 19, first of all. Really young age, and he came in and he dominated right off the bat. His first season was a 168 ERA. He was incredible. Second season, it was 231, and then 180, 167. The guy is really incredible. A career 242 ERA. Uh, in 11 seasons in Japan, and that is over 275 games. Like, that's that's hard to look at and say, I don't want him, or he's coming from Japan and we don't know what he's going to be. Like, it's, it's really tough to say uh, any of those arguments when it comes to someone who has done it for 10 years straight. I know that it's obviously very different. Japan is not the same as as what you're seeing in America. It's just it's not the same level of talent. You're not seeing the same players. It's it's obviously going to be a little bit different. You can't look at it and say he's going to have a 242 ERA coming over here. It's it's going to likely be higher, 
But I think overall, he can still give you somewhere around a three ERA with pretty good strikeout numbers. His career strikeout per nine is 10 on the dot. You'll take that, absolutely. Walks are a little bit high. He's averaging 3.4 walks per nine innings. And another thing is that he doesn't really have uh, tons of innings pitched in any given season. Uh, going back a couple years, I think the highest he ever threw was 180. 180 was the most he got up to in a season. You're looking at 144 this year. Last year, it was 111. 2020, it was 131. And then 180, 141. He's not getting up to close to 200 innings. So perhaps we do see him top out at maybe 150. And again, those innings are going to be harder to throw in the States than they would be in Japan. It's just a higher level of competition. It's just the way it is. Uh, those are more stressful innings. So maybe we don't see him touch even 140. Maybe it's 120 or so. Uh, you know, that's probably where it's going to be. Uh, in terms of the ADP data, it's a little bit tricky to find him because he's not currently listed on the Mets in terms of um, in terms of the ADP data. He is, I think, listed as a free agent. But from what I recall seeing on the weekend, his ADP is he's going to Brown pick 100, which seems a little rich for me. Um, I, I'm not going to be interested in him at that price. If he's you know around 150, I probably would be. But pick 100. I think there is a lot of safer options that you can that you can bank on uh, around that range anyway. I'm just going to pull up the ADP overall. And when you're looking at a round pick 100, you're looking at George Kirby, Kyle Wright, Logan Webb, Logan Gilbert, Nestor Cortez, Blake Snell, Freddie Peralta. Those are the guys who are going from around pick 100 to 120. I feel more confident in all of those guys than I would in Senga. And there's a chance that Senga comes over and he's able to replicate something similar to what he did in Japan. You know, around a two two five ERA, probably close to two five two ERA is is almost impossible. Chance he gives you two five ERA with thirteen wins and you know ten strikeouts per nine, which would be fantastic. It would absolutely be worth a top one hundred pick or close to a top one hundred pick. But without having seen it first, I don't think I'm going to be willing to do it in year one. So let somebody else take him. If he was you know heavily discounted, sure. If you were able to get him in an early draft where you were paying quite a bit less for him, absolutely. But as of right now, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be so interested around pick 100. Let's talk about Kevin Kiermeyer here. He signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't think that there was term announced for this deal. I think that they just said, based on, I'll check again, because I could be wrong, but I believe they just said it was a major league contract. Yep, a major league contract. That's where we are, folks. We're replacing Teoscar Hernandez with a player who is not worthy of even telling you the terms of his deal. It's a sad time to be in Toronto. It really is. And this has been a, a, a shitty offseason for the Blue Jays. I don't care what anybody says about late signings and, you know, St Springer signed in February and blah, blah, blah. There are no Springers left. There is nobody left on the free agent market who can fill that hole in the outfield that we created unnecessarily by trading to Oscar. You can have to pay him next year. Who gives a shit if you have to pay him next year? Seriously, this is the team that's trying to win right now. And they trade away... Granted, he is not an amazing player, Teoscar Hernandez. He is a very strong offensive player who is pretty weak defensively. There is no reason why that he had to be traded for a middle reliever and a prospect, whatever whatever bullshit it was. And I'm sorry for the swearing. Uh, every now and then, something like this will kind of piss me off because I've seen people on Blue Jays Twitter and you know just on Twitter in general, it's it's copium. They're trying to cope because they know we have lost this deal and this particular arrangement. Kiermaier had a better war by point two than Hernandez did. Are you going to sit here, and anybody's going to sit here and argue that Kevin Kiermaier is a better baseball player than Teoscar Hernandez? I think that they are crazy and they should be drug tested, personally. 
That is not the case. Defensively, absolutely, Kiermaier is a better player. That much is not up for debate. He is a much better defender. He is a multi-time gold glover. He is considered one of the best defensive center fielders that we have ever seen. That is something that is not hyperbolic. He has 147 defensive runs saved in his career, 64 outs above average. He is an elite, elite defender. He can't hit for shit. He really can't. He is somebody who is batting ninth in your lineup every single time. He's hit 15 home runs, 14 home runs, 12, 10. That's fine. I don't think he's going to do that again. He have not. He's not done that recently. 2021, he played 122 games. He had four home runs. This year, 63 games, he had seven home runs. He's dealt with injuries, to be fair. He has dealt with injuries these last couple of seasons. But when you look at the overall ball player that came into Toronto, the one that left, the Blue Jays got worse. The Blue Jays absolutely got worse. I don't care if you need to move Springer over to right field and Kiermaier is going to play more games in the outfield, whatever. He is an offensive liability. A career 248 batting average, 97 WRC+. plus. Strikes out 27% of the time this year, 26 last year. Below average walk rate. Offensively, he is going to be somebody you have to put ninth, and you're going to be pinch hitting for him come the seventh inning most nights. That's that's one option, or he comes in in the eighth, ninth inning as a defensive replacement. He is not somebody where you can go out there and say, I'm going to start him for 120 games, 130 games next year, and he's my center fielder. He's not good enough. He's simply not good enough. He is also not a spring chicken anymore. He's going to be 33 years old in the first month of the season next year. I'm going to take a look at his defensive metrics again here real quick and just see if they've declined over the years. I assume that they have a little bit. Um, uh, they have a little bit. I mean, part of it's volume-based, and he hasn't been out there as much. But Kevin Kiermaier, man, like, I, I know I'm a salty Blue Jays fan in some ways, and they didn't want to re-sign Teoscar Hernandez. It was going to be too much money or whatever. <sighs> this is not a proper solution. If they were going to go for a Brandon Nimmo, even if it was, you know, I don't, I don't even want to even go that way because I, I wouldn't have wanted them to give him eight years. But I would rather have taken Brandon Nimmo for eight years then Kevin Kiermeyer here, which I believe is a two-year deal, a one and a one and one with an option maybe. I just think it's bullshit. I think it's they've waited too long for an outfielder. They're a team that's trying to win right now. Nobody is signed long term. Guerrero's not. Bichette's not. Manoa's not. Got Gosman for a couple years. We got Springer for a couple years. A Ryu contract. Ryu's gone. Like there's there's not a lot there past like two three years from now. Uh, we need to we need to win right now while we can because Toronto does not retain its star players typically. It can, it has in the past, convinced some people to sign here and there. There's a chance that those guys just leave in a couple of years. As much as I want to cry saying it, there's a chance. And you can't be going with Kevin Kiermaier and you're starting nine as a team who wants to compete in the toughest division in baseball. It's not going to happen. As a bench guy to come in there, play the outfield 50 times a year, defensive replacement, pinch runner, he'd be perfect. But if this is the last move that the Jays have, are going to make in this regard, and he is going to be our starting center fielder, that is absolutely terrible. I, I, he is not somebody you have to worry about for fantasy. He is not going to be an option. He's just, I don't know. He's, he's not very good. Fantasy purposes, he, he doesn't really cut it for you. There were years in his career where he was stealing bases. Uh, you know, he's had 20 stolen bases. He's had 18. He's had 16. But we're going back a long, long time now uh, since he's done really much of anything. He's played 150 games one time. It was 2015. He's been over 100 a couple other times, like 122 and 21. He had 129 in 2019. 
But overall here, we're missing a lot of games. We're not getting a lot of offensive production. And we're not somebody you can trust for fantasy. If you're talking about a DC, I don't even know if you'd draft them. I, I mean, I guess you probably would have to. But I, I, that's where I, where I currently stand on him. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious what his ADP is. It's got to be really, really low. But, uh, you know, there's been crazier things that I've seen. 732. 732 out of a 750-person draft is his ADP. So he is being drafted as, like, the last pick, second last pick there. I guess if you just need playing time, you need to ensure some kind of playing time, perhaps at some point. I don't know. That's the thing. You can't even guarantee playing time with how often he's hurt. I think this is a bad signing for Toronto, regardless of the term. I don't like it. I think it's stupid. And, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of salty. You guys, you can probably tell that I'm, I'm kind of salty about this one. It, it does not make sense for a team trying to win now. Maybe they don't care about winning now. Maybe they want to win in the long term. I don't know. But you can't win in the long term when any of your pieces are signed up for long-term deals. So we don't know what's going to happen two, three, four years from now. Look at the Boston Red Sox. Lost their whole core. They won a few World Series out of it. The Chase have got nothing out of it, and nobody signed. So I don't know that signing a Kiermaier to be your everyday center fielder, or that's the plan anyway, I, I don't know that that makes a hell of a lot of sense. But let's move on. Uh, I'm probably angering people with how much I've talked about Kevin Kiermaier. I just get passionate about my Blue Jays every now and again, so forgive me there. Speaking of Blue Jays, a former Blue Jay here is the next guy that we are going to talk about. Aledmus Diaz. This one, I think, is kind of interesting. And when it happened, it kind of fell below the under the radar a little bit, I guess. But honestly, the more I look at it, I kind of like it. He signed a two-year, $14.5 million deal with Oakland. And I think that he sh will probably be given a chance to play here. That's the thing. If Diaz is given a chance to be in the lineup every single day, he could have some value. He's never really been an everyday player outside of that one season in Toronto and the one season where he had uh, in St. Louis in 2016, where those are the two times he was over 100 games. Let's start with 2016. He had 17 homers and 65 ribbies, and he batted 300. Then in 2018, he had 18 homers, 55 ribbies, he batted 263. Since then, he's been a part-time player for Houston, and on a per-game basis, still giving you all-right value. Batting average has not been great in recent years. 243 this year, 259 last year, but 12 homers in 92 games. That's something where you look at it and it's like, okay, he's in Oakland. He's going to be playing. They don't have really anybody. I'm going to pull up the roster resource here for Oakland because it's, it's probably, Christ, I don't even know who they're putting into the lineup at this point. Uh, it's bad, man. It's, it's really bad. Uh, he's slotted into the sixth spot. I would think that that's, I guess that's probably okay. Uh, Tony Kemp first, Sean Murphy second, Seth Brown third, Ramon Laureano four, Jace Peterson five, Diaz six. Sean Murphy likely to be on the move. Uh, there's been some rumors that he's going to be traded to Atlanta or somewhere. Not really sure what's going to happen with him, but he gets traded. Likely everybody moves up a spot. I can see Diaz batting fifth in that lineup, and if he does, it's not a great lineup, but could he give you 20 home runs and 70 RBIs? I think he absolutely could. That Those home run totals per game – have been pretty strong even when he hasn't been playing a lot of games. You know, 84 games, 8 homers, 17 games, 3 homers, 69 games, 9 homers. Never, you know, give me a 2 home runs or something over 100 games. He's always somebody who's hitting a decent amount of them, and his price for next season is incredibly cheap. 540 is his ADP. Excuse me, 530. 530 is his ADP. Minimum pick 410, maximum 612. You don't really have anything to lose at that point in the draft champions for a guy who is likely going to be playing most days. 
Steamer's projections, pretty conservative. 99 games played, 12 homers, 45 ribbies, 249 average. The games played is going to be a lot higher than 99, assuming that, I mean, he is going to be there. He just signed there. Uh, two years, $14 million. There, that's all, for them, that's a lot of money. He'll be in the starting lineup. He will be somebody who I think has some value in draft champions formats. If you're talking about 10 and 12-team leagues, even your standard 15-team, three-outfielder league, I don't know that he's going to cut it. But in DCs, at this point, I'm taking him in every draft that I can. You're going to get probably 140 games, 20 homers, 70 ribbies, and you know probably a mediocre batting average. But for the career, a 266 hitter, despite some lower numbers in recent years. I mean, 259 last year is not terrible. 243 this year. He had a pretty low Babbitt this year, too, as well, actually, 256. So maybe that ticks up back into the 250, 260, 270 range. I could totally see it. Playing every day, granted, not a great team around him. But I, I think in a draft champions, uh, Aledmus Diaz does make a lot of sense to take a flyer on late in the draft because, obviously, you just need to secure some playing time once you get down past pick 500. I don't know that anybody past pick 500 is going to be in for that kind of playing time like Aledmus Diaz is. Obviously, I'm not looking at every player right now. But I think that's a pretty attractive pick uh, at that spot of the draft. Guys, that is going to do it for us today. We'll pick it up again tomorrow. Assuming there are no massive moves, I think we'll probably, probably go back to pitching. And I know I've sounded like a liar. I'm a bullshitter. We've talked about going back to pitching for a week now. The stove has just been so hot. All these players are signing. In my head, <clears throat> part of me considered, okay, we'll just do the starting pitching reviews. We'll get through all the reviews, and then we'll talk about the signings. But by that point, the signings are weeks old. If I'm doing an SP review in December or January or even in February, I don't think that really matters that much. But if I'm talking about, you know, the signings, if I'm talking about Verlander signing with the Mets and I'm talking about it in March, you guys are going to be like, okay, that happened a, a long time ago. Whereas season reviews, the whole offseason is kind of fair game. So that's where I'm coming from in that regard. I uh, hope you guys are okay with it. But either way, uh, that's what we're going to be doing here. We are going to get back to pitching, though. This week, we are we are going to talk pitching because there's just not enough big-name free agents left at this point that would take up that much of our time, assuming there's no massive trades that go on uh, throughout the week. So, guys, you can find me on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. But go check out, more importantly, Ethos Fantasy BB. We brought on a ton of writers. We got about 10 writers now. We're still We're still in the process of bringing people on. And we're going to keep expanding. We also have a podcast, another podcast for NFBC-based, uh, well, mostly it will be an NFBC-based podcast strategy and otherwise. Uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit more over the next couple of weeks, but it's a very exciting time at Sports Ethos. Go check out all of our work, specifically the baseball work. Uh, we're working very hard here to get you guys articles put up. There's going to be a few articles coming out every week during the offseason. And then during the regular season, my goal is to have an article coming out every single day on the website to go along with these podcasts, of course. But that's enough rambling for me. Uh, until tomorrow, I hope you guys have a good, good time drafting. Good luck with your drafts. You're able to get some of these guys that just signed at a little bit of a discount, perhaps. And I hope you guys hit the download and subscribe buttons. Until tomorrow, take care, everybody. Cheers.